Venture into one of the fastest growing businesses on earth right now on Cannabis Economy. Converging with the brightest and best cannabis leaders and luminaries, paving the way to progress your profit margin. Capitalize and compound your cannabis portfolio now on Cannabis Economy with your host, Seth Adler. Chelsea Satula. Chelsea Satula runs the Sespe Creek Collective out of Southern California. As it's California, delivery is a thing, which Chelsea discusses. But she also discusses the vast difference between Southern California and Northern California, or any other active cannabis economy for that matter. Welcome to Cannabis Economy. I'm your host, Seth Adler. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our new YouTube channel with the handle Can Economy. That's two N's in the word economy. While Chelsea and SoCal are making their way out of the shadows through the new MRSA regulations, uh, they are slowly but surely making their way into the sun-grown light. Chelsea Satula, Sespe Creek Collective. Is that Chelsea Satula from Sespe Creek? Yes, this is Chelsea from Sespe Creek. So, uh, Chelsea, thank you so much uh, for for giving us some time. Uh, Give us the background on Sespe Creek, just in case we're not from uh, Southern California. Sure. Well, I uh, I joined this collective. I'm approaching my five-year anniversary um, this month, and uh, the collective really started out in Fillmore um, in Ventura County as just a, a small cultivation operation. And the two brothers that founded it originally sort of decided that there was a need in the county to provide delivery service as well. And so just as they were sort of getting into that and, and starting to expand in that area, uh, I received a delivery uh, myself as a patient and just kind of struck up a conversation with one of the founders. And it sort of went from there. I, I dipped my toe into the cultivation side of things for a brief um, moment before I realized that my skill set was really more in the um, business, operations, logistics, marketing kind of side of, of getting the delivery side up and running. So I jumped on, and, and um, about a year and a half or so later, I was running the show myself. The, the original founders had decided for personal reasons at different times to step out. And uh, so that's where things are now. I've got a, I've got a nice, solid team that's uh, helping the collective just really stay afloat at this point in, in, uh, in California. But really, we're, I think we're moving forward in, in some positive and fun directions as well. Yeah, uh, you and I have talked about the fact that uh, things are different uh, than they were, which is fantastic, and we'll get into that. Just want to make sure that uh, we get a good sense of uh, the collective. There is the grow you mentioned. There is the delivery. Is there a storefront, or is it exclusively delivery? No storefronts in Ventura County. They're completely prohibited. And we actually, I've, I've had different gardens at different points, but for the past, I would say, three years, we, we do not do any cultivation ourselves. We exclusively, exclusively rely on our uh, member cultivators to provide medicine for the collective. So I just decided it was, it was better for us to focus on the, the service and the education side of it. And we just had so many cultivation problems, farm, farm issues. So, um, yeah, we, we're really just delivery service, but um, we provide, I would say, uh, above and beyond what most um, dispensaries and services provide as far as patient education and 
um, uh, guidance on medication selection and, and variety. I would say we, we carry quite a large selection, uh, especially of CBD-rich medicine in Southern California, which can sometimes be difficult for patients to find. That, that's fantastic. And I guess when you had mentioned that uh, you realized that the uh, business end of thing was um, a better fit for you, you also meant uh, for the greater collective uh, that uh, we can depend on the uh, great growers that you have there in California to get you the product so that you can deliver it uh, to the patients, as you say, right? Absolutely. I mean, cultivation is so tricky. And and it's, it's funny to hear um, regulators talk about people just, just grow your own, you know, just grow your own. It's really difficult to grow <laughs> right. your yeah, own. Exactly. People take that for granted. Yeah. Um, I, I leave it to art. the experts. Yeah, it's an art. Uh, there's certainly science uh, in it, but, uh, but it is certainly an, an art. Um, you know, you, you started to get into uh, what you're offering and, uh, you know, the variety and, and the ailments that you're um, – you know, that you're, you're speaking to, um, describe the patient set. Let's get a better sense of, of who you're helping. Um, you know, what I would imagine ailments, uh, run the gamut, but, um, you know, what, uh, what are some that, uh, you specifically and explicitly, uh, serve or service? Sure. Well, we, we definitely cater to a, an older patient base where our average patient is probably about 45 or 50 years old. And we get a lot of people with um, chronic pain, injuries, um, insomnia is a big one, and anxiety. But we also, we definitely see regular um, cancer patients, people with advanced stages or just, just early stages cancer, um, different neuropathies. It's, it's, it truly is the gamut. And I'm not, because I'm, I'm a little bit farther away from, from the, we call them phone tenders, our phone operators that answer the phone uh-huh. and really help guide patients. Um, I don't, I don't, we, we don't always ask conditions. Patients are, um, definitely encouraged to tell us their medical conditions if they're, if they need help, but not everybody Mm -hmm. does. So, um, I would say it definitely runs the gamut, but, um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to see the wide variety of, of people that, that come to us looking for, for help. Yeah. Yeah, and and Southern California certainly isn't uh, out of the shadows as much as Northern California is, Uh, but that is why we're talking. Uh, Give us a sense of uh, what is happening on the ground as far as you, uh, the conversations that you're having, um, you know, to which puts you in a a mindset to, to be okay with doing an interview. Well, it's tricky. It's a delicate balance every day um, between, uh, you know, maintaining discretion and, you know, trying to just stay off of the radar. Um, Mm -hmm. While we work things out with the city, um, I'm I'm in direct contact uh, regularly with um, some of our different city council members across the county. And our county board of supervisors is meeting on on, uh, Tuesday, March 22nd, to... Um, discuss how they want to move forward with a stakeholder um, sort of process to get input. So I just got that um, staff report today. I was reading that this morning. And um, it's really just every day, it's like, who can I have a conversation with to push this right. issue a little bit further? We're reaching out to senior senior services groups, um, senior councils and stuff throughout the cities. Um, and and just and also outreaching to Latinos, we're really just putting it all out there and trying to get everybody educated on what this really means in our community, and and try to just continually fight the 
the stigma, the misinformation, and 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 push the push the issue that you know patients deserve access to medicine. And it's, yeah, it's, it's time to and, really get with the program. And the state the state is doing the work, and we need to we need to kind of fall in line and 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 embrace the regulations that we've been asking the state to create for for many years. And you're you're talking about uh, AB 266. You know, this is in the wake of AB 266, and that basically outlines for um, you know uh, businesses to um, interact with their uh, counties and cities as you are doing. Um, how different is that uh, for you, and how open um, are folks to these conversations at the uh, you know at the county and city level? We're finding a, a small, small degree of openness. Um, not everybody is anxious to talk to us, and um, but but an, enough people are. So we are. I, I feel like I'm cautiously optimistic that we're making some small progress. Um, so yes, the the MMRSA is a, is a set of three bills, including AB 266, that was passed um, last, late last year, and that mm-hmm. it, it really just creates a full set of, of regulations for for the cannabis industry in California, but really, um, it, it allows a a huge degree of local control to, uh, remain in effect. So cities and counties have chosen to embrace the option of banning everything instead of, um, you know, putting the time into creating some kind of more permissive ordinance that allows these businesses to get a local license, because if they can't get the local license, they will not be able to get a state license. And right now, how it is until these, all these regulations are, um, completely in effect is that you can have a state license and sort of get by without the local license based on the collective cooperative business model. There's a lot of gray sort of in, mm-hmm. in that area. And that's kind of where we've been forced to, um, to remain since we started as a collective, just because the county kind of acknowledges that we're a legitimate collective and that we follow the rules and that they're, they're not making us a law enforcement priority um, as they are with other c- compliant collectives. But the fact is we don't have the proper licensing at the local level to be able to qualify for a state license once California starts issuing <clears throat> those licenses. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what you're working on. You know, we talked to Amanda Ryman from DPA about MRSA. Uh, you know, I uh, always use uh, AB 266 as a crutch, but it is that, uh, that greater uh, legislation, certainly. Um, and it's good to hear that uh, you're in conversation, and it's good to hear that uh, you're making headway. Uh, baby steps are still steps. Uh, it also, uh, you mentioned, you know, conversations with the community, uh, all of a sudden kind of opening up those conversations. How are those going? Those are going well. Um, sometimes it's uh, we're preaching to the choir a little bit. We kind of invite our own patients to right. to attend um, workshops and get more information. But I think it really gets trickled out in the community. I mean, our local media has been covering the stories more. Um, I've created uh, a, with an, well, another person. Um, she and I have jointly kind of. Um, let me let me start over because I don't want to, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. I've been working with a woman who created a, an organization at the end of last year in response yeah. to these regulations called the Ventura County Cannabis Alliance, and she and I have been working together to really um, draw out patients in the community, even if, if they're not patients themselves, but supporters of uh, medical cannabis rights. Um, mm-hmm. 
to to kind of just sign up and 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 um, band together and pay attention and register to vote and and um, spread the word that cannabis is not the scourge in our communities that um, some people would have us believe and that it's really important medicine. So yeah, we those is... outreach efforts are successful. They're not as I would say they're limited to what we have the capacity to do. I mean, it's not the the sole focus of our collective. We still really have to just make the deliveries every day at the end of the day. But when we do, when we do get a chance, it's always really well, um, well received. And we know we're helping people, even if it's just three people in the audience, those three people got their, their eyes open that day. You know, uh, this is exactly why I was so excited to talk to you because uh, you're talking about Southern California and it sounds like you're talking about Utah. You know, it sounds like you're talking about uh, yeah. a place that wouldn't be uh, so readily, uh, uh, you know, good to go with, uh, with legal cannabis, even medical. Time to converge listeners to our product and service supplying sponsors. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Commercial consumption completed. Now back to Cannabis Economy, only on CannabisRadio.com. Here's Seth Adler. So, okay, great. Obviously, you've never done this before because it's never been done. Um, what's your background, though? Where Are you uh, SoCal from the beginning? Where are you from originally? No, I've, uh, I've only been in California. Um, this will be almost eight years for me. I moved from mm. the East Coast. I've moved around a little bit in my life. Um, just kind of t- following different opportunities around, but I was uh, living outside of D.C. in Northern Virginia when I moved to California. Uh-huh. And uh, prior to that, I'd spent some time in uh, Athens, Georgia, and Chicago, and uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, um, Baltimore. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I, I've sort of been around a little bit, but this is my... my um, I definitely understand why people move to California and don't move back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you've you've got the weather and uh, the people and uh, the whole thing. And the cannabis. I mean, there you go. Exactly, sun grown. Truly, yeah. (laughs) What what was all that moving about, Chelsea? Why were you moving around so much? May I ask? Yeah, of course. Well, uh, the first couple moves in my life were really my parents moving around just for for their jobs. Um, I was actually born in Montana and and left when I was three. Um, my parents got uh, jobs teaching in Baltimore, so um, that's where we moved. And I, I I basically grew up there. I moved for high school to uh, to Athens, Georgia, because my mom got a, a better job. She finished her PhD and went off to teach at UGA, and Dad had some opportunities there too. So. Um, from from there, I just needed to get out of the South. I wasn't really happy living in Georgia, to be to be totally honest. I mean, Athens was a fun, cool town, but I knew culturally it wasn't totally what I was going to be happy with. And right. uh, I went off to school in Chicago. I had family there, so um, that was a fun time. And then I just got first job out of college, happened to be in Pittsburgh. And I never, ever would have seen myself moving to Pittsburgh. But uh, Pittsburgh is definitely one of the... Um, secrets of the u.s i think it's a really fun city a lot a lot of fun stuff going on and uh just just lived there briefly and then i got i got uh engaged and moved for that to cleveland i mean this is my long life story so just different different reasons and then jobs you know um i i got divorced back in 2009 and that was a good time for me to to you know move across the country at that point that was my biggest move for sure but i had a job opportunity here that um, that really brought me here, and um, and I can't say I regret it. It's been uh, it's been great. I, I've gotten a lot out of my different experiences in different parts of the country, and um, and uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be in California right now. But it is uh, your point is is definitely well taken. I I never imagined I would have such such problems myself with safe access moving here. I thought this was you know the 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 welcome beacon for cannabis and that I, this was just where I would have unfettered access and it's, it's definitely not been the case. So, um, right. but I'm happy to be part of the, the struggle to move it forward. You know, I definitely have, have just kind of made peace with the fact that it's, it's my calling. This plant has special purpose in the world and I, I feel it's my duty to help, um, you know, bring it into the, the public focus in a much more positive way. Yeah, and and there uh, there certainly is a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, um, you know, based on the fact that we're simply having this conversation. If your parents were academics, though, um, you know, and by the way, uh, it's either military or academia yeah. that brings yeah. people around the country like that, uh, or world for that matter. But um, if if that was what they uh, did, what did you go to school to study, and, and what did you come out with? You mentioned jobs. What what kind of jobs did you have before getting into cannabis? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, my parents are academics, but they're also my mom was um, uh, in pharmacy for a while. So I have Ah. that sort of upbringing as well. It's been interesting to see kind of the pharmaceutical industry side of it. She was on academic pharmacy side as well as um, in the industry side for a time, but she's she's retired now. And and, uh, my family is all cannabis enthusiasts, just like me. So um, I definitely come by it honestly. But, um, mm. you know, I, I did some time in academia myself. I, I majored in psychology, and my first job was at a lab uh, looking, coding facial expressions and, and looking at uh, emotion and cognition kind of research. And it was really interesting, but it just it was a little too monotonous for me on a daily basis. It was a lot of coding and 
just kind of, it became a little mind-numbing for me. I, I kind of sensed that that wasn't the direction I was meant to be in, but I, I got a lot out of it. I mean, I certainly learned about a lot about emotions and, um, you know, exp emotional facial expressions and, and body language. Those are, I think, skills that can benefit you no matter where you are. Yeah, and, uh, I, that's, it sounds like fascinating work. It sounds like you were kind of in the weeds of uh, of coding. But uh, what did you learn? What are some basic things that you can tell us about facial expression and, and uh, body behavior? What you know? What are tricks that you know that maybe not everybody else does? Well, yeah, it was kind of interesting because this this was really in the news I don't know, many years ago. You know how you can tell people are lying from facial expressions, and and um, my, one of my favorite things is is learning the difference between um, genuine and artificial smiles when people are genuinely happy. There's there are um, involuntary, uh, I think it's your your or orbicularis oculi, I can't remember the name of the muscle, that that will raise when your cheek raises, but if you're not genuinely smiling, if you're smiling for to, to please someone socially or to act like you're, you're okay with what's going on, then that muscle does not lift, and you can kind of tell that that person's really just smiling to be pleasant, not because they are enjoying the situation. Um, just little things like that. Yeah, that's huge. Just yeah. little things like that is the difference between truth and uh, and falseness, I guess. It is, yeah. Amazing. And also, one of the other things I learned was that peekaboo is a universal game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no matter where you are in the world, cultures, everybody knows that. Yeah, which was kind of fascinating. There are just things that innately we as humans understand and yeah. and uh, and do without necessarily being aware. How did you explicitly find that out? Where where were you that you uh, happened upon that information? That was during that was at the same lab in in Pittsburgh doing emotion and cognition research. We had a lot of child development people there, and uh, that was um, coding. What we were we one of the things I coded was uh, facial expressions between mothers and their infants playing peekaboo. Mm. So when the when when the mother is or father is hidden from the baby, um, baby might be you know, excited to see, oh my gosh, mom's hidden when she's going to come out, or the baby might be freaked out, depending on that baby's temperament and a whole host of other um, variables. So that was, and in that context, it came up that peekaboo was actually a universal game, and and, uh, and, and across cultures, um, that's a way that parents use to engage their children in, in those kind of emotional challenges that um, help you regulate your emotions later in life. That's fascinating. That's like truly fascinating. <laughs> you can you can get into the mindset of uh, an infant. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. All right. Well, uh, that uh, I, I wish I would have known this when uh, my niece and nephew were uh, younger than they are. They're five and two. Or now uh, my nephew's going to be three. So uh, I guess there's there's other skills that I can look for, especially yeah. the, the cheek muscles now, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is that was it was really interesting, and it was like it was fun to be kind of scientific mode for a while. But yeah, to be a research scientist, I really give those people credit because in the lab day to day, just running the same protocols over and over and over, because you need data sets, so it becomes right. very monotonous very quickly, and that's really kind of where I fell out of it. But but the people I worked with were just top-notch, really exciting, interesting stuff. The the one professor I was working for was um, 
an adjunct with uh, Carnegie Mellon Robotics Institute. So they were doing a lot of that early facial detection software um, coding that they use now in like, you know, criminal tracking and, and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, it was exciting to kind of be on the early, early wave of that technology being developed. Amazing. Time to converge listeners to our product and service supplying sponsors. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Commercial consumption completed. Now back to Cannabis Economy, only on CannabisRadio.com. Here's Seth Adler. And, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about your kind of transition into the collective. Um, I, I would imagine that you really were using those skills early on because, um, you know, six years ago or whatever uh, you said uh, when, when you joined, um, you really couldn't talk <laughs> out loud about what you were doing to even those in the community. We covered that earlier. Um, how much did you depend on... Uh, kind of winks and nods as far as just communicating what your business did and making sure to service patients and making sure to get the uh, right, you know, medicine from the right grows. Um, how much of that was depending on kind of nonverbal communication? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of that on a patient interaction level when you're the ones kind of, in the early days, I was definitely making deliveries myself and answering the phone and having to like suss out whether this person is a legitimate patient or not. And um, yeah, those skills always come into play, um, just when you're interacting with somebody in kind of unfamiliar territory, if you don't know them. Um, for me, I would say those skills help me more keep my cool under duress. Like if I got, say, a random knock on the door from a city fire inspector. Um, uh-huh. so those are the, yeah, I, I would say it, it's, it's, it's helped me kind of flow through situations that, that, 
um, might get me in trouble a little bit more easily. <laughs> well, take take us. Through, do you mind taking us through what you mean by that? So there's the knock, knock, knock on the door. You open the door. Um, then what are you looking for in that? I'm not asking you about what's happening in the dialogue. I'm asking what you're looking for in the nonverbal communication. How are you communicating that way or picking up on communication in that instance? Well, I yeah, it's always. Um... Tricky, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm an expert, but but in my ex- my limited experience, when I've had those kind of random knocks on the door, um, I I really quickly have to ascertain: are they there because they suspect I'm doing something illegal, or are they there just because it's a random check and they're they're there to check my license and and verify that there's no um, you know electrical hazards? Like, is it, is this truly random, or am I in trouble? And right. so if I can if I can really ascertain that and just do my best to act like I have nothing to hide while at the same time um, kind of, yeah, wondering what their purpose is. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to just try to get all their questions answered as quickly as possible and, and, uh, and, and get them out the door. But um, it hasn't happened too often. Uh, I think it's more the, the anxiety that it will happen. It's, it's happened once or twice before and it was, those were truly random um, knocks on the door. It, it, it's funny. One time it, it was um, <laughs> this, and I won't mention which specific city this was, but um, one of the cities in our county, I, I did get a, a random fire inspection. Um, and and when the guy knocked on the door, he, he knew who I was. Um, even though my business license says one thing, you know, and it's, it's, that's kind of how I, I, I play in this gray zone. Um, he, he knew who I was because I had made a delivery to him about a year prior. So he was actually a a registered patient of the collective, um, just out doing his job and immediately like his conflict of interest was really high. So I got out of that situation just, just by being really sweet and, and like, Oh, I think you, you know, you, you, maybe you have the wrong, you know, the, the wrong address. I think we're, we're okay already. We passed that inspection and uh, we just kind of had a little handshake about it. And I really, I don't think he's, he's employed there anymore. So I'm, I'm, I doubt this story would get anybody in trouble. And, um, but you're, it's you're, just you're, situations Trust like me, that. Chelsea, you're really not giving any level of detail, so it's fine. I'm sure, but go on. Yeah. I mean, that was it. It was just, yeah. it was one of those things where that was kind of one of my first real tastes of, of the true conflict of interest between people that are tasked with enforcing the rules in our county and the yeah. people that are writing the rules, because there's definitely a disconnect and, and, and there's a large support in our community for um, safe access, legalization, just, you know, rescinding these bans in general. And law enforcement is not always interested in, in, in upholding these bans. They don't make sense to everybody. So that was, that was kind of interesting. You know, I was, I have to assume that some people are actually on my side, even though they, they aren't uh, allowed to act on those maybe personal feelings. Right. Yes. That's the public and, and private uh, sides of, of each person, uh, verbal or nonverbal. Um, mm-hmm. So, so uh, we are here in, in March of, of 2016. We kind of talked about what, uh, what you're doing and the baby steps that you're taking. Um, how does the rest of the year look to you or is this still kind of one day at a time? You know, it, part of it's one day at a time, um, just dealing with my day-to-day 
issues banking. I, I just have regular banking scares. If, if the bank calls me, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, ha- having a bank account closed is almost to me worse than uh, having the cop knock on my door. <laughs> it's that right. kind of stress. Um, right. Well, but, one's more final than the other. Yeah. Um, so things are just, things are moving really, really slowly. Like I, this, this staff report from our Ventura County Board of Supervisors this morning is basically put a timeline for the county to come back with a proposed ordinance in December, which to me, I don't think it takes nine months to write an ordinance to provide a little bit of safe access. Um, so, so I, I gotta, you know, I gotta keep waging this battle of like, explaining to them that they it's not reinventing the wheel for Ventura. Many other cities and counties have, have written these regulations. They make sense. Go talk to those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, so it's, it's a slow timeline, but luckily the state uh, gives us until January, 2018 to have our local license in place before um, we really will face uh, issues having that conflict without uh, with having a state license without a local license. So we have some time, but certainly for us, um, every day is a, a little bit of a struggle, and it would be it would be great to have this this uh, worked out sooner rather than later. Yeah, no, I mean two years is is certainly better than uh, I I believe that uh, twelve eighty four in Colorado uh, back in two thousand nine gave. Uh, you know, gave collectives and dispensaries one month. So, oh, yeah. uh, so that uh, uh, it's good to hear that you have the time, but it also uh, is a different geography and you just kind of gave us great context. It sounds like you absolutely need that time. Um, so it's good that you have it. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you are uh, providing safe access to patients. And so uh, we thank you on their behalf. How about that? Thank you. And uh, it's time for our three final questions. I'll let you know what they are before I ask them. Here they are. The uh, first question is, what has most surprised you in cannabis? The second question is, what has most surprised you in life? And the third question is, on the soundtrack of Chelsea's life, what is one song, one track that must be on there? So, first question first, what is uh, what has most surprised you in cannabis? Most surprising in cannabis? What has most surprised you in cannabis? Um, hmm. I guess just that it's, it's still got so much momentum to say, change so many people's lives. Like a lot of people have experienced cannabis and, and one way or the other have formed an impression about what it does for them or doesn't do for them. But there's still so many people out there and that haven't tried it. And, and so, so every time I come across somebody that's just trying it and finding relief of something for the first time, um, it's just that part of it kind of keeps it, um, keeps it fresh and new and, and, and unpredictable. I never know, um, how that really plays out down the road when somebody feels, feels healthy and feels well, um, their lives are different, their lives change and they can, they can be more productive and be happier and get out of their ruts and do other things. So, um, I guess it's just kind of slowly watching it um, change people's lives for the better. It's a really slow surprise, I would say, but 
Um, yeah. I it just that it still has a long way to go. It's 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 far from being um, fully explored and understood. The new science coming out every day about it is yeah. is empowering and and um, promising. So I, I, I say the medical potential really behind the plant is, is yeah. what continues to surprise me every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and just watching uh, one person get it uh, at a time uh, in, in our society. So what, what about what's most surprised you in life? Um, you know, I'm surprised that I'm, I'm here talking about cannabis in California and I'm part of the industry and I'm moving it forward. Um, I, I was really opposed to using drugs in school. I was such a straight laced kid. I didn't drink until really I turned 21. I'd had, you know, a couple glasses of wine here and there, but I was really good about that. And I, I was never really interested in cannabis. I had a friend in college that really peer pressured me into just like, fine, I did it to just shut her up about it already. She's like, (laughs) I promise, I promise you're going to like it. It's going to change your life. And you know, I hate to say it, but that peer pressure really, it did change my life. And, and um, I experienced sort of a freeness and a lack of social anxiety and inhibition that I had, uh, it finally occurred to me that was why people drink and do drugs is to feel like, okay, I don't have to be in my head worried about um, all my insecurities right now. I can think about other things and enjoy life and be in the moment. You know, I, that's what kind of initially um drew me into the, the cannabis plant. And, uh, so for me, it's just, I was so far, so far away from embracing cannabis for most of my life. And I, you know, it, it was, a it was a late, late blooming experience kind of thing for me, but, um, I am really proud to be here now and part of the movement and, um, and to have had my views changed in that way. Yeah. I think everybody needs to be enlightened. Yeah. And, and then there you are, uh, dead center uh, in one of the geographies that's most important to the cannabis culture, making sure that it goes right, right there on, on the ground that you're standing on. So, uh, so again, thank you. Uh, all right, final question. On the soundtrack of Chelsea's life, what, uh, what track, what song must be on there? Oh, um, this is so hard for me. I'm like I had to open iTunes and go through my list really fast because my mind. Well, just you mentioned blanks. you you mentioned Athens, Georgia. I wonder if REM would have been uh, in in your catalog. Oh, uh, you know, I went catalog. through two two REM phases. I have so much REM. They're not the first one that came to mind, but um. Good. Well, then uh, let's do something else then. Okay. Um, what what was the first thing that came to mind? I know the that first you're, thing you're, that came to mind yeah. was a song by the Wallflowers called "Reboot the Mission." I don't know if you're familiar with that song. Well, this is um, uh, Jacob Dylan, so Bob Dylan's son, his band, right? Yes, yes. Okay, and I don't was, know the song though. And it's a it features Mick Jones um, from the Clash on drums, I believe, and it's a great song. It was kind Wait of a like second. Um, Mick it's, Jones it's, on drums from the Clash. Yeah. He's a guitarist. Oh, you know what? I get those confused. Don't quote me on <laughs> he, if Mick Jones is in the song. I can't remember which instrument he's playing in there, but. Um, <laughs> Or maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Wallflowers. It's good to um, to just kind of help help remind yourself you can keep going, and it's just important to keep going. 
It is important to just keep going. That's exactly what you've been doing, uh, and that's exactly what's going to get us to be where we need to be. Um, Chelsea, thanks to, so much for your time. Um, you know, this, uh, this is a big deal for you to do this. I personally know that. Um, so I appreciate it. And uh, Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always great yeah. to talk to you. You got it. We're going to talk to you again, uh, maybe, you know, a little farther down the line when things are uh, even even better. How about that? Sounds good. All right, Chelsea. So there you have Chelsea Satula. Very much appreciate uh, Chelsea uh, doing the interview. Uh, obviously, it's uh, not all peaches and cream there in uh, SoCal, which might be surprising uh, to some of you. So we very much appreciate Chelsea coming on and, and giving us some time. And uh, I want to thank you for giving us some time. Very much appreciate it. Time to converge listeners to our product and service supplying sponsors. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.